Welcome into ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanitra. Coming up on today's show, should the Bulldogs be afraid of the Ohio State Buckeyes? And for a mild-mannered guy who's usually unbothered 97, seem bothered that the postseason is a no-go yet again. These are the type of stories that happen that just make you want to smile. That's coming up in For the Culture. It's ATL Day Ones. Let's go. This is ATL Day Ones. Part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. I just want to start off by saying thank you for making ATL Day Ones your first listen of the day. Remember, we're free and available wherever you download your podcast. Wherever you download your podcast, make sure you leave us a five-star review. Really appreciate that from you in advance. Today's episode of ATL Day Ones is brought to you by Bet Online T. Well, is the uh, the Ohio State Buckeyes have made it into town? The Georgia Bulldogs will be coming in a little bit later this afternoon after they have a practice in Athens because hey, this is a home game for him. That just for them. That just make it. They keep it funky right there. They are favored by a touchdown. On most betting websites, but I think that T the thing about I think a lot a lot of things if people are concerned about the Bulldogs and and I'm and I'm kind of on that boat, but not necessarily for all the way on that boat. But mm-hmm. it is that the fact that Ohio State took a nice L last time we seen them come out against the uh, Michigan Wolverines, and they may be chomping at the bit, so to speak, like the Bulldogs were against Alabama after they lost to them last year in the SEC Championship. And a lot of people are thinking that there may be some momentum for Ryan Day and company to to go and get this dub against the defending national champions. But you actually – it was actually one of those things where I was like, hmm, is that a contradictory statement? Because in that statement you just made said a word people are saying that oh yeah the buckeyes you know they got whipped the last time they played you know the wolverines spanked them and they're ready just to really get back in there and maybe get a second stab at the wolverines here's a thought though how are you going to do that when both of those teams said teams michigan and georgia are the one two offensive lines in the country okay now the the wolverines ended up winning the joe moore award but i wanted to just point out a couple of stats for georgia's Mm o-line only allowed seven sacks this year leads the sec tied for second nationally bulldogs averaging 39.2 games points per game 207 yards per game rushing and they're tied for third nationally with 37 rushing touchdowns and lead the country in red zone offense The way that you do that is when your O-line wins the battle in the trenches. So if Ohio State couldn't win the battle in the trenches with what turned out to be technically the number one O-line because Michigan got got the Joe Moore Award, Mm -hmm. the team that was really kind of 1B and ended up second place, a runner-up, is the Georgia Bulldogs. So I believe that, to me, not saying Ohio State won't be competitive, and honestly, Jarvis, it may even be closer than a a touchdown win. But on the same token, I think when you get in that fourth quarter and your O-line has to be the difference versus their D-line, I give that to Georgia for starters. And I'll fall back because I know as a former defensive player, you probably are going to say the same thing I would say about my second part of my answer, but I'm going to just fall back for a second. 
And, and to be honest with you, I think we've, we've been doing this show for quite some time before we even started with ATL Day 1, so you already know where I'm probably about to go. So here's the thing. <laughs> like, I want to go back to when um, Kirby Smart was first hired. And the first thing he said, we got to get bigger up front. And yeah. that's exactly what Kirby Smart did. He started bringing in men that made me look like I was a little person and I'm not no little dude. And I know I just did a double negative there, but I said that for a reason. I'm 6'5", 350 pounds. So, yeah, there you go. For me to be saying something like that, right. looking up at dudes that they bring in, bring in mm-hmm. on, on a consistent basis, like Georgia just has been massive. And I think that they followed the same formula that um, Nick Saban brought to the table, right? Mm-hmm. We having all these big guys, these guys that just move mountains yes. when, when, when you see them on the offensive line. And I think that that's a thing a, thing a lot of times people who believe the, the quote-unquote hey, revenge game, or, or or they're chomping at the bit and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. People believe that. They get fascinated with the, the quarterbacks and the wide receivers, right? Because, hey, let's be frank. My, my, Marvin Harrison Jr. outplays anybody lined up on the outside yes. for, for the Georgia Bulldogs. And C.J. Stroud, as much as those guys were in the same room uh, in the Heisman Trophy presentation and Stetson mm-hmm. Bennett and C.J. Stroud – we mm-hmm. all know that they're out of worldly when it comes to comparison to other two, right? Yeah. CJ Stroud is much better, a much better quarterback, projects better to the NFL, in my mm-hmm. opinion, and mm-hmm. than um, Stetson Bennett. But I, I think that it all falls back to to Kirby's main point. The main thing that he pointed out when he first stepped on uh Cath- at, on, on campus down there in Athens is that I gotta have the big boys, and I think Georgia has the clear-cut advantage yeah. it just yeah. like you laid out statistically you know uh, on the offensive line up front and I think that's going to be the difference in this game because mm-hmm. the reason why Ohio State got spanked is because Michigan lined up and said you know what we're gonna yeah. run this rock and there's nothing you yeah. can do about it so I think that's the, I think a lot of people like get caught up in storylines mm-hmm. when when you start talking about oh yeah well Georgia did this last year but you know, like no, like we've we've made that mistake before. Even mm-hmm. coming into the leading to the Tennessee game, yeah. this, these dudes are really, really good. So Big yeah, time. a person, a, a team that doesn't match up up front with Georgia, I don't believe has a chance. I agree, and I do see. I do say that a Jalen Carter led D line can oh, yes, still Lord. keep Ohio State very, very honest. And mm-hmm. so, like you said, you can't necessarily count on the secondary to stop Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, good luck with the DBs. They're going to have kind of a long day, no we matter what. Yeah. However, mm-hmm. CJ Stroud, you got to get the ball to him, right? right. So if Jalen Carter and company, I'm just going to call him Jalen Carter and company for the sake of brevity, but Indeed. if they're able to get home, then Marvin Harrison, you never get to see the ball. So I just really believe that there's going to be a focus there as well on, you know, let's put pressure on him. If we can't get home and get sacks, let's at least, hurry him let's at least knock him to the ground and really just get him off of his rhythm and i think the other piece there is okay ohio state you want to try to run a run on us oh okay let me know how that goes so i just think that like you said maybe giving a little bit too much credence and credit to a storyline doesn't mean ohio state won't fight but if i'm going down to it in the fourth quarter i'm saying that oh i i i trust and choose georgia to punch it in if they need to on the ground. And then if Ohio State gets the ball back with any time left on the clock, I believe that Georgia's defense can do what it needs to do to get them into that title game. Absolutely. And speaking of of of, of rhythm, 
There's a guy. Let's talk some Hawks because Trey Young has absolutely been killing it. That last four games, T, the dude is averaging 32 points and 10 assists, and he's shooting 46% from deep. And we know that's the type of thing that we're used to seeing from Trey Young. And the Hawks have won three out of the last four to take on the Indiana Pacers tonight. Mm -hmm. Do you think this trend continues, T? Yeah, and I also think that – we could even be talking about the Hawks going for their fifth straight win as opposed to four out of five because they nearly got that Bulls game, right? Right. So we really could be having that conversation as well, but for, you know, a few plays that the Bulls made that maybe the Hawks didn't. But if the question really is whether or not it's a coincidence that Trey Young is trending up offensively and we're starting to see success from the Hawks in terms of the win column, I would say it's in part coincidental. I don't think it's as much about Trey's offense Hear me out with this one as okay. it is about his defense. Boom. Oh, yes. The reason I say that, <laughs> I know. That's why I was like, oh, oh you're going to yes. <laughs> Because Trey Young, we know, is not the guy who focuses on his defense, right? right? That's not his game. But if you start digging into the numbers, for example, I love this quote that DeJounte Murray gave about Friday's beatdown of the Pistons, right? right? And granted, we know Kate Cunningham wasn't there. We get all that. But hey, mm-hmm. Hawks are down players too, so miss me with it. Hawks and nemesis. Ben Seals, <laughs> however, but, <laughs> but DeJounte Murray's DJ was most impressed, rather, by Trey chasing down a steal. The reason I say that is because when Trey hustles on defense, that takes the Hawks to a different space and place, right? Because, yeah. So for me, while I love to see the numbers, even uh, 50% for the last two games from three-point, man, it's exciting to see that he's getting back to form. But when I dig deep, people may laugh. But when I see Trey Young with two steals or three steals, or I see him with five or six rebounds, or I see the Hawks with 30 assists, that's an offensive number that does not speak to his points, but it speaks to getting the other players involved. It speaks to ball movement. It speaks to spacing. And to me, those are the key components that Trey's been actually doing more consistently in these last, I'm going to say five games, because even in the loss to the Bulls, he still did his job. He's been doing that piece. I think that's where it comes down to them getting these dubs. Yeah, no doubt about it. That's, that's, you're talking about top 14 type stuff when yeah. Trey Young is deciding to play, give effort and play well and, and get in those passing lanes. Like mm-hmm. his, uh, the person yeah. he was compared to when he came into the NBA, and that's I'm talking about Steph Curry. Mm-hmm. And we know how he was a liability coming in and he figured it he figured it out so i'm glad that trey is starting to move towards that and Dejounte murray is pushing that and highlighting that i i think that's that's not that's not a coincidence as well so the hawks take them yeah go ahead go ahead ahead. and the other thing you were saying i want to go back to the point that you made about passing lanes because you really have to have the presence of mind and you have to have a good eye for that we always talk about the great eye that trey has to be able to pass right but in order to steal, you've got to channel or, you know, kind of telepath where the backcourt of the other team is going to go when they're passing the ball so that you can actually cut it off, steal it, and then give your team the opportunity to actually convert on it. So, again, it goes back to, uh-huh, we love to see his offensive numbers, but how often uh-huh, yeah. do we talk yes. about defense leading a good offense? And I do like the fact that on some level, Trey's kind of getting there and leading the way. Absolutely. And we don't, Lord knows they're going to need all the Trey involved on defense they can get because yeah. with Clint, Kel- Clint Capella being out yeah. uh, tonight, that is something that we're definitely going to have to keep an eye on. And we, we, we want to definitely keep an eye on our guy, number 97, uh, Grady Jarrett. 
because I'm getting a little concerned uh, about the leader of this team or the face of the franchise, so to speak. We'll talk about that next. But first, we got to talk about Bet Online because it is the fastest and easiest way to come in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. T, I was looking. We were talking about Georgia versus Ohio State earlier. Right. I, I, I talked about being Georgia being a, a touchdown favorite, but guess what? The over under is 62 and a half, 63 points. Woo! Ooh, I don't know if I want to touch that one with a 10-foot pole, but right. if you're trying to figure out whether or not you want to touch it, go to Bet Online because it continues to be the top online source for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts. They've got you covered. You guys come to us each and every day for all your ATL sports needs. How about you go to Bet Online because they have podcasts waiting just for you so you can make some money. So what I need you to do, head to Bet Online today. Or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today because bets online is where the game starts. Now, Jarvis, we know that we were hoping for a continuation. I won't say a start, but hoping for a continuation of the hopes, dreams, and aspirations of the Falcons to just stay in the playoff hunt. But unfortunately, that dream died Saturday with the Ravens win over the Falcons. But here's the thing. It was only, what, 17 to 9? So we're not talking about some type of blowout situation. And really, Jarvis, other than one game this season, i.e. the Bengals, we really have not had a lot of conversation about blowouts with the Falcons. So the defense did their job, respectively, again, only giving up 17 points. But that also says, Jarvis, that we have been having that same conversation all season. Because as much as the defense has bended but not broken is as much as the Falcons have still taken L's. So... That all kind of boiled over post-game Saturday when Grady Jarrett was asked the question about his thoughts on a team that's competing but is just not, no pun intended, getting home. Oh, disappointed, man. You know what I'm saying? Um, you try so hard, whatever, but same, different, different year. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? You got to keep fighting, but everybody fight. You know what I'm saying? Like, we got to win some games. We got to finish strong as we can. But to be able to not, you know, even to have a chance to be in the postseason and, you know, mess that up, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's frustrating. Frustrating indeed. And so, you know, it begs the question of Grady is always the guy who is amazing, Jarvis, at being able to answer a question and show some emotion. And you can kind of see what he's thinking, yeah. but he is masterful at not ever saying it. Yeah. We heard in the backside of the co- cut, I call it, Standard, classic, Grady Jarrett. But the front part of the response to those questions really showed the raw emotion of where he is after this point in yet another frustrating season. So my question is, you know, we, we're not in Grady's head, so we want to say that up front. Of course. But if we had to peek in his head, Jarvis, do you feel like maybe he's kind of second-guessing himself and saying, dang, I was glad to stay home and glad to be in Dean P's defensive scheme for his second year but man listen it's getting exhausting i don't know if this was the right move or that was the right move at the beginning of this year to come back wow yeah that is a very good question um i when you think about like the one of the reasons why he came back right because you know he Coming into the year, I, I was one that kind of stood at the top of the mountain saying, like, I don't know if he's necessarily a fit in Dean Pease's system, right? We kind of saw a little bit of that 
last season. Mm-hmm. And but when you think about the type of guy that Grady is, like right, like he probably even heard man. I ain't gonna say he sat up and listened to our podcast. He might listen to our podcast. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But if he did hear it and say, like, man, what the hell are you talking about, dude? I'm Grady freaking dread. So I'm about to go. I'm about to make sure that coach. I'm gonna get with coach. I'm going to sit down with them like, hey, how are you guys going to use me? And I'm going to have these conversations before I put my name on a dotted line. And I think mm-hmm. that Grady liked what he heard. And to the tune of, well, I think Grady's right now is it five and a half, five and a half sacks right there mm-hmm. on the season. So when you're talking about that type of production from an interior, interior defensive line and not really having anybody by you that's going to attract some type of blockage, exactly. you know what I'm saying? And the meaning that you're going to get double teamed and sometimes, you know, you might get a, a squeeze of triple team in there from mm-hmm. time to time as well. So I, I think that from that standpoint, from production standpoint, from an individualistic standpoint, it was the right decision. But when you start thinking about the end results of games and the yeah. coming down to the wire, like because you know, we've talked about them being in games as a positive thing, like you just mm-hmm. mentioned. But as a player, being in it, being so close each and every, every Sunday, and then yeah. coming up with L's, that's crap is frustrating. Mm-hmm. You heard it. And he even said something more Taurus, even on the on the other side of, of, of the clip we just played, mm-hmm. was that you can kind of tell, like, he was like, I don't know how everybody else feel, but I know how yeah. I feel. And he kind of stopped himself. Because yeah. you felt like he was going to say something like, I don't even know if these mofos give a damn. Like, essentially, <laughs> right. I, I feel, I'm going to fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to fill in the blank there. So, so when you have a veteran guy pointing out these things and having it and voicing his frustration like this, mm-hmm. you should be concerned. Yeah. Uh, and, and meaning head coach Arthur Smith, you mm-hmm. should be concerned. Hey, uh, defense coordinator Dean Pease, you should be concerned. Yeah. Those are the type of things that can really get into a player's head from time mm-hmm. to time and say, be like, hey, man, get this man some help or just yes. win. Win some damn yeah. games. Yes. And I want to go with what you said to start that last comment, which is get him some help. I was having an yeah. interesting conversation last night with as I go through the trauma of will I buy a new car want to buy a new car or do I have right. to um, one of the right. conversations because you know once people know what we do for a living they start talking sports mm-hmm. so they wanted to know kind of where the Falcons should go and I'm like I'm sorry it's not a conversation <laughs> if it's me every pick in the draft should what are we talking about here and I said don't get me wrong I know there might be a hole or two at O-line and you may have to draft an O-lineman because as we've seen, Jarvis, this last week has been a trend of O-linemen getting uh, re-upped by their teams, right? So yes. there may not be those kind of top-tier free agents out there for the O-line. So you may have to try one more time with the draft. However, right. I really want you to just go D, 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 because I think you made the point She's clear, so- which <clears throat> is get this dude some help. Um, we saw flashes with Taquan Graham. So I told told the yeah. gentleman last night, I don't want to do that. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's not his fault that he's injured, right? right? So I don't want to say we should just give up on TQ. That was giving Grady the help that you and I had hoped he would get when we said at the beginning of the season. Because I remember when you and I said, who's going to be the defensive MPP? You know, I raised my hand and said, Grady. Because right. I truly believe that Dean was going to find a way to get him where he needed to be in, the, in his scheme. And then some of these players were going to step up. Now, that said, Jarvis, I'm going to slightly contradict myself. I think what you were saying about maybe where Grady's head could be is, bruh, bruh, you, you over there. You want to give me consistent help? Yeah, great that you might get it from 
Anderson, Abdullah, or Troy every now and again. You might get it from Adi. I'm going to just go down the whole list, Jarvis. Right, yeah, you yeah. might get it from Rashawn. You might get it from Lorenzo. You might get it from Richie. AJ. But other than maybe AJ, did I call any name that you and I have called every week for 16 weeks? And in AJ's case, the only time we really didn't call his name was when he was out injured. He was out injured. That yes. therein to me lies the problem. And I think Grady silently or quietly kind of low-key made that point of what are we doing here? Like where, yeah. you know, where's the the effort, the consistency, the consistency. Because the other question the guy asked me, and I'm interested to see what your thought was, for Grady to, to get that help, like of these new players that, that that were brought in to quote unquote, you know, give the defense help holistically, who would you mm -hmm. absolutely bring back? And I was like, okay, well, Casey Edwards didn't really get a chance to kind of show all of what he was because he got injured before he kind of really got started. Or Hayward, I'm sorry, Casey Hayward yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. got started. But other than Rashawn Evans and a few, okay, and a few of the young guns who we still need to kind of <laughs> see what they can do, like AK or when TQ gets back healthy. Yeah. Come on, man. So I can understand why Grady might just be frustrated and maybe looking around saying, send help and send it consistently. Yeah, I thought I thought it was very interesting that when Arthur Smith was kind of talking about just from uh, playing young guys and all that stuff, he was kind of saying, he was like, hey, guys, listen, like we have Grady Jarrett and Jake Matthews on long-term deals. Everybody else on one-year deals and all that stuff. So yeah. when, when people start talking about the uh, amazing amount of money and the Falcons are going to make it rain on free agency, you know what I'm saying? Like straight Magic City style. It's going down as soon as the March hits. No, that's not the case. They're going to have to pay enough people so they can fill the roster. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because there are going to be so many people that are going to be free agents. That money's gonna have to get divvied up, and then you talking about talking about people offensive linemen reading up, right? Guess what? Uh, Chris Lindstrom is going to go into his last year of his contract in 2023. Yep. So you gonna let him go go into the season as a, a, a um, headed towards free agency? Right. No, eh, wrong. That's the most consistent player you you got you have on your offensive line. So you got to take care of him. So I think that when you think about all of those guys defensively, there'll be mm -hmm. some guys that you may potentially bring back. Casey Hayward, he's still traveling mm -hmm. with the team. So, yeah. you know, he's locked in and, and, and focused in on, hey, helping out wherever way he can. I wouldn't mind bringing him back. Mm -hmm. You know, as much as crap that I've given Lorenzo Carter on, on this podcast, I wouldn't mind bringing him back. You know what I'm saying? Like, especially if we don't know where you're going to go in the first round. If you're not trying to get a Will Anderson or somebody like, or Jalen Carter, if he mm -hmm. falls to you right there, Right. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if they're going to go there. I mean, mm -hmm. I know what they need. We you, right. you mentioned what they need at the start of this segment. They need ass rushers. They need somebody who can put some pressure on the quarterback. Like, it's it's no secret. Like, we've been talking about this for, for the past five years. The Falcons yeah. are one of the worst teams in second mm -hmm. quarterback in the, in the NFL consistently. Mm -hmm. Like, they were really bad last year, and they got really close to that this year. They improved, but still not that much. But so – I, I, I get Grady Jarrett's frustration. Mm -hmm. I understand it because, you know, there have been times where where he just he's 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 voiced that frustration and you've just seen that frustration yeah. on his face. Yeah. And and you know, you get tired of answering the same damn question mm -hmm. each and every week, T. Mm -hmm. Like really? this is yeah, this so so I get it. I understand it. So but for, for me though, I think that the overall theme here as these last two games wind down. They need to see who can help this man out next year. Yes. And if they can't help them out, 
their ass don't need to be back next year. Yeah. And, and then, <laughs> and you know, as much as we're talking about send help to Grady and you know bring some pressure from the edge, boy oh boy, if you want to hear about a guy that brought it his entire career. Check out Locked On Sports today because I am sure that they are going to have reaction to the breaking news that future Hall of Famer J.J. Watt is wrapping it up this season. So if you want to hear more about that story and just talk about or hear talk about his legacy, check out Locked On Sports today. They'll also have reaction to some of the biggest or coolest stories like the Chargers. The Chargers are the most recent team to wrap up a postseason berth. And they said, you know what? We're not done. All right, Locked On Sports Today will tell you if they think that is the case. So just like you check us out on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you download your podcast, don't forget to check out Locked On Sports Today because they'll definitely give you also their version of For the Culture called Take of the Day. Now, Jarvis, the one thing I will say is this. I think you make an excellent point now that we are indeed outside of the chances that the Falcons would have a postseason berth. You have two games left. Two very winnable games, by the way. Yes. So this is an opportunity to show us what you got, Falcons. This is an opportunity for Arthur Smith, Dave Ragone, and Dean Pease to see what is really happening and what opportunity there could be for some players to obviously or either be retained or if they want to say, you know what, we'll move on. Yeah, and and for – so there's going to be a lot of valuations going on. So I think that – and a lot of people may be looking at the Troy Anderson situation like, okay, mm-hmm. Michael Walker might yeah. not be a guy that might be around. But look at it from this standpoint. Troy Anderson is a guy that played inside linebacker. Mm-hmm. The guy, the other guy, Rashawn Evans, who's had a solid year. Yeah, yeah. Guess, think about it from this standpoint. If Terry Fondo don't want to spend no money to bring Rashawn Evans back, mm-hmm. slide Michael Walker on the other side of the inside linebacker spot because when he was in there, Mm-hmm. I didn't have any issues. Now, of course, he can get better. But, yeah. you know, I think there was some some good things that we saw from Michael Walker early on in the year where he mm-hmm. was looking at he was going to be like the lead, he was lucky he's going to be the leading tackle for this team. So yeah. there are some good things there. I think some things there to build off of. A lot of people have been satisfied with Troy. I say a lot of people, not necessarily me. Mm-hmm. I, I see some things that he needs to really, really work on if he wants to be the guy that they drafted in the second round of the NFL draft. So mm-hmm. uh, so there are some things there that I feel he needs to work on. So there are going to be a lot, like you said, it's going to be a lot of evaluation as, as, this, as this season winds down. And, and I think that, you know, as it winds down, mm-hmm. the Falcons need to really know where they're going in the early part of this draft because this is – like when you have your number ninety-seven out here voicing and, 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 and putting his frustration on display as he's talking about those those particular things, mm-hmm. you need to start to listen because we don't want this situation to end ugly like Matt Ryan's situation ended. Yeah. Just saying. <laughs> 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 Just as we were talking about the Chargers making a postseason berth and uh, the Colts, not so much. Anyway, Ooh, uh, moving right along. Yes, Fox Sports Atlanta family. You guys have been rocking with us ever since we started this thing right here on ATL Day 1. We are up to over 5,200 subscribers. We want to appreciate you guys for doing that. And if you have not liked or subscribed to our YouTube channel, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. And if you 
Listen to us on the audio version. Download whatever you get your podcast. And go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Leave us a five-star review so everybody can find out about all this goodness that we have going on right here. But, T, this is for the culture. It is the intersection between sports, entertainment, and the culture, and sometimes whatever the hell we want to talk about because that's just how we get down on this show. Today is no different. Now, T, you know how everybody's been dealing with flight cancellations and it's getting Ooh. super, super, uber, uber cold. And, and I'm like doubling in age and over the temperatures and the degrees is going on. So, you know, it's pretty, it's been getting pretty cold around here and the ice yes. on the roads and all that stuff. So yeah. um, I think this story is one that you can just look at and you can just smile too. So oh, okay. apparently, you know, Pittsburgh, you know, head coach Pat Narduzzi, uh, was talking to reporters because he's down in the Sun Bowl in El Paso, and he mm-hmm. started to tell a story about how the UTEP basketball head coach, uh, Joe Golding, picked up some of his players from the airport who flight had got canceled and couldn't, and then basically didn't have a ride to get down to where they need to get to for the for the bowl game. Mm-hmm. He, he packed all them folks, got a rental for, to fit his family mm-hmm. and the players that were uh, from Pitt, and, and took them to where they needed to go to for the uh to, to so they can get there for practice in and uh, down in El Paso. I just think this is probably just one of the coolest stories we've probably seen in quite some time. It is. It really is. And there are some positive stories out there. I mean, I even heard it from my family. As painful as it is, I'm not going to cry. People, I'm not going to cry. But yes. literally, they stayed in the airport for like a combined maybe 12, 13 hours over two days. And my mom was so calm after they chose not to try it again the third time they were like now we're good we're just going to stay in louisiana so i had to spend christmas pretty much by myself so you know that was kind of sad because i was looking forward to my nephews but of course the positive that i took out of it and my mom getting a break um just kind of getting a different scenery was the people that she spoke with and everybody just kind of coming together to keep each other positive and keep each other encouraged and optimistic about hey you know we hopefully we'll get to our destination and them kind of sharing different stories. That is kind of the, the core of what Christmas is about, you know, giving right. back and looking at the other man, your fellow man and seeing how you can help them. So yeah, when I saw that story, I was like, man, as rough as it was to be without the fam for Christmas, that UTEP story and the UTEP pit story really gave a positive spin on it to remind me that in all of it, sometimes you just have to see the good in people to see the good period yes absolutely that's that's the thing that you know you think about during these times during the holidays where you're just like man this is this is good there's still good people out there and i think that you know we we appreciate those people for showing the good and we also appreciate you guys for showing up each and every day and checking out atl day ones as your first listen of the day make sure make sure make sure that you give us your second listen to locked on sports today they got all the national news and information t told you about it earlier they know they're going to be talking about jj watt announcing his retirement saying hey he's coming and he's coming to atlanta so you guys want to check out see what's going on from a national perspective check out locked on sports today but t tell them what we got going on for tomorrow Boy, it's going to be exciting. Hopefully, I hope that we are talking about a dub for the Hawks. We got more Georgia, Ohio State previews for you. And Jarvis and I are going to dig a little deeper. We kind of hinted at this whole evaluation process for the Falcons these last couple games. We're going to get a little bit more in a deep dive tomorrow on it. So come back. Y'all come back now, you hear?